Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you very much for being here this morning. Before we dive into what we're going to learn from John today, I just want to mention that during the month of August, we're going to be doing a short series on community. And we're going to learn what it means, now that we've learned from John, how to interact with God and how to love each other well, what it means to live in community together. So that's going to be exciting coming up in August. To live in community means to love. And that's John's big thing in this book. It's abiding in Christ. It's learning to be like Christ. And so today he's going to emphasize that point even more. Because in order to be an authentic Christian, a Christian that is reproducing, a Christian that is in touch with Jesus to the point where people are enamored with that and are coming to know Christ, that road is paved with love. And that can be a hard road. And if, if we're not loving, we aren't on that road. And we can't claim to have relationship with Jesus Christ. So for John, love was the key thing. And we're going to talk about what proper Christian love looks like, why we need to do pro- proper Christian love, and the consequences that will happen if we do it right. Because honestly, for John, as he experienced Christ and walked with Christ, Love was the absolute. Love was the end game for him because it was the end game for Jesus. And for us, love is everything. And so let's find out what this looks like and so our lives can be transformed and people around us can be transformed. Take your Bibles, if you would. Turn to 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7, page 1023, if you want to grab that Bible in the rack in front of you. So we're coming now toward the end of this incredible book. I always get sad when we come to the end of the book. It's not like we can't go home and read it. But I've I've just loved to once again delve into the heart and mind of John, who was absolutely and totally enamored with Jesus. Couldn't get enough of him. Couldn't say enough things about him. And it just struck me this morning how privileged we are to actually read the very words of an apostle. And so, as inspired scripture seeps in this morning, we are going to learn what love looks like for John. Now, he's taught us so far that in the positive, walking with Christ looks like imitating Christ, obeying Christ. It looks like confessing our sins so we can be clean before Jesus. On the negative, we've learned that you can miss that opportunity if you fall in love with the idols of the culture. If you fail to take Jesus seriously. And again, John is writing from Ephesus, which was a culture so similar to ours. Different idols for sure, but idols nonetheless. And, and so he was teaching these churches, and many of the churches that we read in the book of Revelation, he's teaching them, you've got to stay centered on the most important thing. And the most important thing is loving God and loving others. That's how we are going to change culture. That's how we are going to change lives. If we don't do that, you can forget everything else. And John is an incredibly credible source because John was the disciple that Jesus loved and reclined at the table with Jesus and knew Jesus and listened to Jesus. So now we're in this final section, and we're going to look at five aspects of Christian love that will help us to learn to be transformative in how we treat each other. 
And the first is found in verses 7 and 8, and it regards a close relationship to God. Look at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So John's wider point is that Christian love is not optional. But what happens when we love, firstly, it brings us close to God. And the first aspect of this is proper Christian love signals intimacy with Christ. When we are loving well, people can tell there's something different about us. It signals that we are attached to Christ because, as John will go on to explain here, Jesus is love. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that he calls his readers beloved. Perfect term if you're talking about love. And what John desired for them is that they experience Jesus. John was experiential. He was all about abiding, attaching yourself to the vine. And he knew that someone that was not loving well was missing out on that kind of intimacy with Christ. And so he's trying to get us to focus on this because we tend to put everything else first. When we do church, sometimes we we start with our doctrine, and then we do our methodology, and then maybe if we have time, we bring love into the equation. John is saying no. No. You start with love. Then you work your way through. And we have got a, an evangelical church today that's really, really strong on doctrine for the most part, although we have our nuanced disagreements. But sometimes I look at it and I go, like, where's the love part? And I know what happens is, 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 is pastors and pulpits don't talk a lot about love because you're accused of soft selling. Oh, that guy's soft. He doesn't talk about love. No, love is the key to the whole thing. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important command? Love God. Love your neighbor. Simple as that. And so John's trying to get us to see that here this morning. And it's really exciting to look at this. And, and, and really, we can do this because if you look at verse 8, you see this phrasing there. Because God is love. How do we love? Because we're attached to one who is love. What John is saying is that God isn't loving. He isn't doing love. He is love. It's part of his nature. It's part of his being. So he cannot do anything but love. And the beautiful thing about this is that the object of his love, the objects don't deserve his love, so you don't have to strive to earn his love. It comes as a gift to us. Out of his nature. Out of who he is. And so this is the beautiful thing about the God that we serve. His basic nature is love. And so you never have to doubt for a moment that you are being loved. Now, it may not seem like it all the time because sometimes life can really take turns and darkness can hit or chaos is there or discouragement or frustration or blocks in our agenda, whatever And we can say to ourselves, where are you, God? 
And I, I know people who walk, have walked with Christ for years and they go through these seasons in the desert where they're crying out for God. God seems to be distant, but they trust Scripture. They trust that God is love, so they hang in there. And they don't abandon their faith because they know that God is love. And so if we allow this truth to seep into our souls, then we don't have to try so hard. We can find our joy. We can find our fulfillment. We can find our adoration in how Jesus sees us and not how others see us because God is love. We don't have to have all the money, the perfect job, the perfect kids. We don't have to have all the answers. We can just accept the fact that God saw us before the foundation of the world and said, I'm going to die for you, and I know everything about you. And you go, oh, no, does he really know everything? Yes. But he's chosen to love because that is his nature. Because here's what we have in our culture. We trade services in our culture. If I do something for you, if I perform, then I'm going to get something back from you. And so we're all out there performing because we want people to like us and love us and hang out with us and appreciate us. And that works for a while while we're performing. What happens when we stop performing? What happens when we hit a bump? All of a sudden we have no services to trade anymore. That's when God is there. I've mentioned this before, I think, but when I was still doing broadcasting for a living, I was on this board of this organization called Media Fellowship International. And the, the mission of, of Media Fellowship International was, was very simple. Reach the media through the media. And so what we would do is we would set up groups in, in newsrooms and in, at newspapers and in Hollywood studios. And we'd have chaplains in these studios in L.A. and so forth. All trying to reach these people who are in a very hard industry. And there's not very many Christians there. And here's what happens. When you're an actor on a show, for example and things are going really well, you just begin to think that it's always going to be that way. And all the fame, all the adoration, all the money's never going to stop. But it always stops. And so, we, I got to meet people who had once had these lucrative jobs and now had been totally abandoned by people they thought were friends because they had no services to trade anymore. And so our saying at Media Fellowship was, listen, when your phone has stopped ringing, when it rings, it'll be us because we love you and we don't care about what's happening in your career. It's unconditional love. That's what God is showing you through this text, that he is love and he loves you deeply, unconditionally, and you don't have to do anything to earn it. And so can you just be comfortable with who you are? Can you just be comfortable in your circumstances? Can you just be okay with how God made you, your heart, mind, your body? Can you just rest and enjoy Jesus? That's what John would have said. If he was standing here right now, I don't know what he would have said. He would have said something like this. He was way smarter than me. He would have said something like this. Yeah, I hung out with Jesus, and I felt totally, I felt totally at home with him. He loved me for who I am. I want this for you, too. That's why I'm writing you. And so... God is love, and when we are attached to that and we are loving well, it shows that we are intimate with him and we are doing the same thing for others. We learn to love others unconditionally. 
And so as we move along, we'll see more about what that looks like. So that's the first aspect. The second is that proper Christian love follows Christ's sacrificial example. This is what it looks like now. And this is where John is going to really make it clear as to what he's thinking about. It's about the Father sending his Son into the world. Look at verses 9 through 11. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is love. John is saying, don't look at the world to try to figure out what this looks like, because you're not going to see it. I want you to look and see what the Father did for you, that he sacrificially sent his only son into the world to be the propitiation, which is a gift that appeases the wrath of God. I want you to know that this is what it looks like. You know, that in the Old Testament, the, the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies once a year and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. That was paving the way for the Messiah who would come, finally be that ultimate atonement. What Jesus is asking you this morning is to be your mercy seat, to help you to know that he loves you, that he's already paved the way for you to be saved, to have eternal life, that you can be clean and forgiven because of what he's done. His sacrificial love is our model for how we are to live. And that's pretty amazing because the, the, the dichotomy of our faith is this. The love of God serves to satisfy the wrath of God. So God's love satisfied his wrath. Because his wrath is on sin. He cannot coexist with sin. It is abhorrent to him. It is the destroyer of people and holiness. But his love appeased his own wrath because he sacrificially sent his son into the world. Don't look at the world system to try to figure out what love is. John is saying, go right to the cross. Look at what happened there. Use that as your cue. And again, we're talking to a person, or ta- we're, we're learning from a person here who, who actually was at the cross. We know that because Jesus said, John, here's here, my mother. And likely Mary ended up going to Ephesus with John, probably died in Ephesus. So, a credible witness for sure. Sacrificial love. That's what it looks like. It signals that we are intimate with Christ. The third aspect is this. Proper Christian love demonstrates God's love to others. Others can see it. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. When we love, it is a sweet thing for people to see when we're loving each other well. And here's the thing. The the apostles aren't here anymore. They're not walking the face of the earth right now. We can read about them. We can read from them. 
Jesus is no longer walking on the face of the earth. He's present. He's, he's the king. And so what has happened? He, he has left the church in charge. You and me. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I look in the mirror and go, bad choice there. You know, you could have done better. You should have done interviews. We are the ones that are to love. And let me tell you, we live in a divided world, and we have a unique opportunity to step into this division right now where people are looking for something above and beyond what's happening in front of them, and we can offer a love to each other that is so tangible that they can taste it and they'll want more of it. But we're not going to get anywhere if we don't love each other. And again, if you want to talk about putting the cart before the horse in churches, a lot of times we're all about doing outside ministry, and we should be. We're missional. We want to reach people for Christ, but we forget to love each other first. Because if we don't love each other well, then all of that mission is not going to happen because it's going to fall apart because there's no tangible substance to it. And so as we go about making Jesus known through community impact, and we want to do this, we want to show the love of Christ through our community groups that we mentioned earlier. We want to show it through our compassion ministries like Reach and Restore and, and a ministry for those with special needs. And we want to do it through, through MOPS and, and through all of these different ministries. But we have to love each other first. How? Sacrificially. What does that look like? It means stepping into the lives of someone. And, and let me just tell you, it's going to be messy. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's very, very hard to love people. And so a lot of times we just get into avoidance mode. We choose the people that we're comfortable with, and we, and we close ourselves around that, and we don't want to get involved with the people who are just a little off, like me. When I walk into a church you know, to visit, they all run away. I don't know what that's all about. But it happens, doesn't it? Because it's scary to invest in somebody else's life. We've got to stop doing that because if we, if, we, if we close ourselves off, then people are going to see exactly what they imagine church to be. Arrogant, self-serving, mean-spirited, unloving. But if we can love each other well and show love to them, we can change that paradigm around and we can be the church that transforms people. And I think that's what he has for Ridgewood. You are a beautiful congregation. You love God deeply. You are committed to making him known. And so we can go out together and we can do this, but we have to do it with love as the centerpiece, sacrificial love for each other. That means forgiveness. That means seeking people out who you're angry with and reconciling. That means looking for people in the church that need a hand and not being afraid to move in there, even though you might have to spend a lot of time. Wendy and I led a group like that in Vancouver. There were people in the group who were really struggling with life, and it got really messy at times. But it was worth it because we were able to experience them, and they were able to experience Jesus And that's what Christian community is all about. So in John's mind, this kind of love signals intimacy with Christ. It follows the example of a sacrificial love of, of God, and it also demonstrates it to others. And fourthly, we see here that in verses 15 or 13 through 16, that there's a peace that comes with it. Look at these 
verses, beginning in verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit, or given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And so we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You know, it just seems that John is writing in endless circles, but it all makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Here's the fourth point, is that proper Christian love provides assurance that Jesus is with us. When we love well, we know that Jesus is there. And if we look back at the statement in verse 13, we can see this, that by this we know that we abide in him and he in us. And here now he's starting to delve into the spirit-filled life. He's starting to talk about the impact of the Holy Spirit on all of this. The Greek for of his spirit suggests participation in the spirit of God. And in literal Greek that reads this, he has given us out of his spirit so that when we are loving it's a, it's a it's a an empowerment by the holy spirit for one who walks in the spirit so again it's john's all over this idea of abiding or being in or walking with john's not really big on just obeying underneath he wants us to walk with christ and abide in him obviously obedience comes from that Paul offered encouraging words about this, as he did so often. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. The Holy Spirit is a gift to help us do this. We can't do this ourselves. You know, if we walk out of this service today and we go like, I'm going to do better. Man, I, I'm convicted. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to love. I'm going to... You're going to burn out really quickly. But if you say, you know what, I understand that I need to love. God, I submit myself to you. Will you please empower me to love? Then you will be fueled by an endless supply of love. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for our church. Because I want us to be able to, to, I want us to, be able to do ministry with joy. And I want our community to be, in, to be connected in Christ. And John's giving us the wherewithal to know how to do that because this is the theme of the entire book. He wrote about the goal back in the, in the prologue. He said, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. He wants us to fellowship with them, the apostles, because they are fellowshipping with Christ. So it's all like one big family. The we is plural. Us. And so here's an apostle 2,000 years ago, probably in his 90s, and he's, he's writing and he's saying, I'm inspired by the Spirit. I want us all to be together. I want us all to abide in Christ, and this will be loving, and we'll all be able to love like Christ. It's going to be awesome. That's how he envisioned the church. And so we need to take this seriously. And here's, here's the last, the fifth thing that's beautiful about this, is that proper Christian love gives us confidence that on the day of judgment, we will stand before him. 
that will come up at some point. Proper Christian love gives us confidence on the day of judgment. And so here's what that means. If you look at verse 17. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Now, he's not talking here about the judgment where non-believers are going to be sent to hell and Satan is going to be defeated. He's talking about the believer's judgment. He's talking about 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, that time where you and I, as believers in Christ, if you do follow Jesus, are going to stand before Christ and give an account for our lives, but not for salvation, for rewards. And we will give an account for our lives. And here's what John's saying. If you are loving well, you know that you are abiding with Christ so that you can stand before Christ unashamed. And that's evidence. So when something happens, you do something that you go like, wow, I, I don't even believe I just did that. Wow, I can't believe I said that to that person. I can't believe that I walked into that and, and, and I had the courage to do that. Then you know that the Holy Spirit is fueling you and you know you're abiding with Christ so you can look forward to that day of seeing Jesus because you'll stand before him and you'll hear those words that we all long to hear so desperately. Well done, good and faithful servant. You don't have anything to fear when you're a Christian who loves, because you know that you're abiding in Christ. That's what John is saying. And here's the man who's about to die. He's late in his life, and he's looking for that day. And he's saying, you know what? I know what it means to love, and loving helps us to be assured on the judgment day that we are going to be fine. Because that intimacy with Christ is there. You know, here's what I want for you. When you stand before Christ, I want you to know him. I want you to know him. I don't want him to be a surprise to you. Now, obviously, what he looks like, I don't think he's the white, you know, red-haired Jesus, probably, because he was Jewish. But we don't know what he's going to look like. But we can know him. And we can live our lives in peace because that day is coming and we can say, like Paul did, you know, better to be with Christ. That's what I want for you. Love signals that that is happening in our lives. Conversely, the lack of love signals that abiding is not taking place. So if you're a person who is judgmental, who thinks you're better than everybody else, who always has a coarse word to say, who is like that, better stop there, then you're not going to have this kind of peace because you're not abiding. You may be saved, but you're not abiding. So this road to authentic Christianity is paved with love. There's no other way to get there. And here's what I want you to do this week. Here's your homework. I want you to think of five people in your life that you're having a really hard time loving. And you're thinking, well, yeah, that probably take me about five seconds. But, you know, you can, you can look through your contacts. You can look through your texts and see who you're, you know, you can just formulate that. Five people. And then I want you to do this. I want you to say, God, I give you these five people, and I pray that you would give me the power and the wisdom to know how to love them well. And will you please show me that and empower me to do that? And if you can do it in this church context, it would be awesome, because 
then we can really learn how to love each other well, and we can put away some things of the past, and we can look forward to the future. Because here's the thing. For John, there was no other end game. For him, it was love and love only. And for us, when we love well, then Jesus becomes real to us, and we become real to our culture, and amazing things happen. We're going to go to the Lord's table now and celebrate this. But let me pray as we get ready to celebrate communion this morning. God, we thank you that you are a God who sent your only son into the world as a sacrifice for sin. Thank you for loving us in that way. Thank you for showing us what it means to love. And I pray as we, as we take the Lord's Supper together, that number one, we would be enamored with your love. That we would be committed to live underneath the blood that flowed on the cross. But secondly, that we would be convicted of the ways that we are failing to love. Because this is a time of confession. A time of getting right with you. And God, I know in my own life that there are people that I, I do need to reach out to. I do need to invest in. There are people who I've who I avoid. There are people I need to love better. And I pray that you would help us as a community to do that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.